Well, you know what I'd say? What? I'd say that was a good question. A good question to ask, Diane. I did too. I'm always asking questions, you might have noticed. You do seem to be kind of foundationally curious <laughs> and uh, inquisitive and uh, uh, apt to seek out the answer to a question if you have one rather than just kind of let it float around your head and go, wow, <laughs> like I do. It's kind of my mode. And by the way, it's 9.02 a.m. Saturday, October the 3rd, 2020. I'm Bill. I'm Diane. It's the Bill and Diane Show. <laughs> oh. oh, I didn't get Take it easy. That's <laughs> <laughs> not that bad. It's a lovely morning here in the treehouse. It's kind of dim in here. I wanted it to be a little dim. Oh, you this wanted morning. it to be dim. See, Diane yeah. is the, she's just another thing that Diane is. She'll set a mood. You know, it'll be, it, but it's conspiratorial. I got myself a cup of coffee here, and I'm going to take me a sip. So <laughs> the other people don't know. But there's usually a reason yeah, uh, underlying the lighting level here in the treehouse. But I, I made the mistake of disrupting it by opening the blinds a little bit. So. No, that's fine. I have no objections to that. It won't, it won't derail your plans? It didn't derail my plans. Okay, well, golly. People, people, people. It's been a hectic week here in Lake Amphetamine, as per usual. So what's your plan, Diane? Well, it's just kind of an ohm kind of lighting. Ohm lighting? <laughs> yes. Are you, uh, are you about to announce a new line of products? Of no. Kind? This is, I, I hadn't really thought about it, but one of the real <laughs> advantages of working at home is that I'm not around fluorescent lighting. Yes. Because I... Hate fluorescent lighting with a mighty passion. I have noticed this about you. You don't. Uh, it's not necessary for you to see what's in the room. You know, whereas other geezers like me, you know, I got. <laughs> I, I need. I need everything to be starkly lit, and you know. So that Except I, now, when I do bring up the lights really high, you say, "Wow, I don't. I want." I that know. Well, you, <laughs> you know, you got into my head. Pardon me, I'm having a drink of coffee. You've. you've Brainwashed me. What you've done. You boy. That's good coffee. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, there you go. Has it been an hectic week? Well, stuff has been going on. You know, it's like it's like this weird kind of quasi social life we have, you know? It's it's uh I love it. I mean, I do. I mean, in, in the absence of actual, you know, tactile, analog uh, contact with people, uh, I say, you know, zoom on, reggae woman, kind of thing. Because, <laughs> uh, you know, it's, it allows us to have conversation. It allows us to see each other's faces. It allows us to, you know, do a lot of things that are kind of like being together, um, even though that's not actually that we're actually together. I think it's it's sustaining me, it's keeping me from going completely off the edge. And I think I I think we can all agree that we're pretty we're swinging pretty close to the guardrails here. And, I think uh, we can all agree that. So, I think that any any contact in this situation is better than none. And uh, yeah, we're at and at work right now. We have two new 
people right. and this is the first time that we have been training entirely by zoom and yeah, you hired two new employees and you've never been in the same room with them that's right we <laughs> interviewed them through zoom we're training them through zoom yeah. and uh this week uh we had a uh the first grand meeting of all of uh the the group i work with abc shared services has a human resources department which is quite a small team, which is what I'm a part of. And then there's a grants and contracts team, which is a lot larger. Still in all, I think that we've maybe got 20, 25 people in the whole group. But uh, we had a, a big Zoom meeting with all of the people uh, there. And it was really interesting because in the past, this is a very tight-knit group uh, we've done lots of fun events with each other we've always had a, a real fun loving group we we would decorate uh, our little areas that were called pods for Halloween and Christmas and you know we'd have little parties and <laughs> costumes and everything you for had me Halloween. down there to play music a couple of times yeah, yeah. and at this meeting um, Maria my supervisor suggested to the group well what do you think about having a costume you know co costume contest even though we can't do because we used to do uh in our pods we would have a contest well we did have a costume contest but we also had a contest about how everybody was decorating their pod and it was all fun it's not right. competitive yeah. you know yeah. and we had lots of different kinds of award the most creative the most beautiful the most uh scary or whatever and it was so funny because at first, my first reaction is, oh, uh, you know, what's the point of that? Bunch and, of extra stuff that you got to do. Yeah, but then all of a sudden I thought, wait a minute, wait a minute. This is going to be our pattern of life for a long time. And if we don't take advantage of doing some of the fun stuff, even though it's not really in person, uh -huh. then we're, we are going to lose a, a, an important part of our camaraderie. And then Maria also suggested that we have a, uh, a little drop-in coffee break, is what she's calling it, on Friday mornings at 8, and anybody could stop in if they want, and they don't have to, but just sort of to do this. And we had the first one this week, and it was great. I, because some of the people like Kim, who we've used to yeah. take home, yeah. she says that she doesn't see anybody. Mm -hmm. She has nobody mm -hmm. in her bubble, as she was saying. And so a lot of people need this uh, ability to, to check in with another person, <laughs> you know. Yeah. So I was I really appreciated that, that it's sort of like people saying, look... Let's find a way. It has to be creative. Let's right. find a way. Yeah. And that's what I feel like for your Tuesday nights. Oh, but You've I, just yeah. been trying to find a way, you yeah. know. Yeah. You have to create something that is different than you used to have. But you've got to think outside of the box and bring it into fruition because... You know, as far as I've ever been concerned, that's the ability to adapt is the the huge <laughs> right. um, quality to for human existence. Yeah, I was talking with a 
I was talking with a buddy of mine uh, yesterday, and he was talking about how Facebook is such a, you know, swamp uh, of mis and, and misinformation and just <clears throat> kind of it's the invitation to doom scroll as they call it right. these days. And uh, he was saying that you know if we're the musicians, we need we should find another platform. I told him, well, if I had enough subscribers on my YouTube page to stream live on YouTube, I would, I would probably go with YouTube because it's more accessible to more people than Facebook is. There's a lot of people that don't use Facebook but do use YouTube. Uh, but I said, absent that, I mean, I think Facebook is what it is because of the way people choose to use it. I agree uh, with that. And I think that, you know, it's like the world. There's, there's a lot of bad and misinformation swirling around in the world in general in conversations and in, you know, different publications and things like that. Um, and you have to curate your own experience of it. You have to choose how you're going to interact with it and to what level you're going to interact to it. So for me, right now, Facebook is the best way to initiate that kind of, to continue to be an entertainer or a, a musician, performing musician, under these circumstances. Facebook seems like the most obvious and uh, easiest to access by anybody format but i always uh, we've talked about this before anything that you use can be used for for good or ill and for me uh, when i'm on facebook i am actually doing a particular thing i am not involving myself in political conversations because i don't want to have them there you know if i want to have a conversation you know, we're all reading the news. I'm, I'm don't want my page to be that spot. I want to, I want to talk about art. I want to talk about things that inspire me, things that make me feel good, you know, because right now I I keep thinking, I was thinking about this poem when I was, um, walking the other morning. It's a, it's just a kind of funny little poem. And a lot of people have heard the the first part, laugh and the world laughs with you, weep and you weep alone. Um, but the next line is, for this sad old earth must borrow its mirth and has troubles enough of its own. And it's just, I feel like right now, people are trying to borrow mirth, man. Mm. You know, anywhere you can get it, just take it. Yeah. And I, I feel like if we all just get dragged down by the heaviness of our generation's uh, woes, it's never right or good. And that's why you have to remember history, you know, that that history has always had darkness in the, like what my parents experienced was a lot of darkness in their generation. But I would imagine being alive and living in the United States or anywhere during World War II was a dark time. Well, and the depression yeah. and, you know, just the, the the various situations that my parents went through. But what I remember about my family is the lightness and the humor and the... Right. Um, I don't remember us getting dragged down by... And my father was in the, the thick of it in World War II. And so I feel like... I mean, he had nightmares for the rest of his life about that experience, but he didn't succumb to that that uh, that grief that 
that his youth was spent in. I mean, he was just a young man hmm. when all that happened. Yeah. So, yeah. So know. anyway, it's it's just interesting to me. And then uh, I think about, I mean, getting back to the being in touch with people. It's not just the Tuesday night thing. I'm thinking about the every other Sundays when we get together with. Uh, we have a couple of Zoom hook, uh, meetups with some of my old friends from Whitworth, and and I get together with the Rocks Boys every other Sunday. I got my songwriting groups every, meets every other week, and we're you know we're writing, but we're also just encountering each other and offloading whatever is you know gone on in our since the last time we met, and it's a good encounter and it's healthy for everybody and. Uh, even the people, uh, I always think of Marjorie and Nancy, who are in my in the songwriting group. You know, they're joining that at the end of an all-day Zoom session. Yeah. They have been doing the the same thing all day, <clears throat> and, uh, and so it's amazing to me that. But it it is nourishing to them because this is a different kind of thing. That's right. Um, and it's a, a way for them to kind of offload the stress of the day, even though they're sitting in front of the same damn screen <laughs> again. And, you know, the whole same damn screen thing is is a phenomenon that is a part of this time. Um, but I think, you know, it's, it's something that you have to keep in perspective. Uh, realize that it's got its place, but it's not the totality of anything. Facebook is not a news source, um, and like you say, I, you know, I do not like getting into political conversations because there's you don't win a political yeah. conversation. There's no, and if you go enter into it trying to win, you're lost. You know, uh, discussions can happen, and people can talk about how they feel about something, and then you move on to another topic. You don't have to de- determine who's the winner, but on Facebook, it seems to be. It's just because of the way it's structured, people have this sense that, that no, I mean, if he doesn't think, if he have, I haven't made this guy think the way I do, then I have not finished, you know, or whatever. Or I haven't stated it right. And people get very frustrated as a result of that and end up bailing out of Facebook because it's just so frustrating. And I understand that, but it's based on how we choose to engage with it. The, the places you go on Facebook and stuff like that end up being the places that show up in your news feed. So... If you're doing all the political discussions and stuff like that, then more of that is going to to come into you. That's the way the algorithm works. So I imagine for someone like you, and I use you as a good example because you actually will like pages that have pretty pictures yeah, and, and, upli- and uplifting stuff. And so your news feed must be pretty darn spanky. It I mean, is pretty darn spanky. I mean, you have still have friends who engage in political conversations, so some of that is going to get in, and that's that's fine. But, you know, the more of the positive stuff that you have filtered for yourself as here's what I want to see, the less you have to encounter that that uh, part of Facebook. It's like the Internet. There, People call, talk about the dark web and, you know, the there are places you can go on the Internet and where all kinds of really weird stuff is happening. That's there. And Facebook is like a microcosm of that. Yeah. So. Well, I always think about uh, well, the, the two beautiful picture places that I am uh, subscribed to are one is called the golden age of illustration which is just a gorgeous you know that just populates your feed because people just put up these 
gorgeous uh, illustrations from a particular era and yeah, yeah. and every time I'm looking at them I just they are there's lots of mythology and fairy tales and because that's what people like to illustrate right. and lots of covers from the New Yorker from many many years back and and you I know, just love you, it. You realize a lot of those images are images you've seen before. Yeah, you know? but there are a lot that I haven't. I mean, even a, a famous artist that I really like, Maxfield Parrish, there will be uh, illustrations that somebody will post that I've never seen by him, and I because I've seen a lot of his most famous ones. Right. But yeah. and there are artists especially a lot of scandinavian artists that i had never seen and i really resonate with that because of my background okay what's the other page the other page is the pnw photography oh yes Pacific northwest photography oh my god that if anybody is listening and has an interest in just seeing gorgeous pictures of where we live go and subscribe to pnw photography it's just the most amazing because all of these photographers a lot of them are professional and right. they're posting it up for judgment by other professionals and my gosh the the photos that they have on there are breathtaking and it reminds me when i was a kid my family had a, a photography book you know that a lot of times they used to have these coffee table books right, well right. they still do yeah. but this one was about uh the it was by this particular photographer and i can't remember his name but he did a lot of photography in the northwest so he had one that was about oregon and one that was about washington we had the oregon book because my family was originally from oregon and while I was living in California, I would actually just sit down, listen to music, and thumb through that book and look at all the gorgeous pictures. Because for me, I really loved the Northwest and couldn't wait. I always knew that I was going to return to the Northwest. And I knew my parents would too. So I was just like, okay, someday, someday I'll be in this green, gorgeous garden of the world, you know? <laughs> So those are my, my, and it really does populate your feed with so much beauty that you can't even contain it all. And then, of course, I, I subscribe to a lot of music stuff, and I really appreciate that. I haven't even looked at all the, I'm sure that there's tons of sites that you could get involved in that have um, illustrations or art or, yeah. you know, but... What I guess I feel about any of these these situations, because uh, I was thinking you actually we were talking about a friend of yours who spoke it, but one of our dear friends is dropping out of uh, Facebook altogether for a while because she's just overwhelmed by it. And I was thinking how interesting it is because I have not, and I'm not, I'm not disagreeing with people who say I just want out, you know. But as you say, my, my page is curated in such a way that I don't see as much of the, the swamp as other people must see. Right. I mean, so, you can, you know, if I want to be updated on the news, I'm going to go somewhere else. Right. You know, so I don't need, to, I don't need to, that on my Facebook. 
I feed. I want to see how my friends are doing and be able to contact them and appreciate them. And well, the other thing that I love is when people take pictures of their kids or yeah. their pets or their house or their, you know, like Holly and Kim have this gorgeous cat living with them right now. Right. Ragnar, I think his Ragnar. name is. God. He is, is a, a gorgeous, gorgeous, cat. Cat. A gorgeous cat. And he's got a personality. And, you know, so you you get to know your friends a lot through this means. I feel like I know my friends better through this period of time just because we are so dependent upon each other. And, and people are uh, reaching out to each other more than they did when their lives were just busy. Yep going here and hither and thither, yeah. uh, certainly for me anyway. Yeah, I think this time has created a, a consciousness about what our lifestyles have been prior to this. And uh, I think it's making positive changes in the way people think. Uh, there's a lot going on that's not positive, but I think people are really engaged uh, in deciding how they feel about things, you know, in a more active way simply because it's impossible to avoid it really you know it's because it's kind of in our face by virtue of how we live our day-to-day -day lives you know so anyway it is this... an interesting time and i'm just appreciative of all the contact uh, when jim called me last night and we chatted for a while and, you know it's just good that's what i'm talking about yeah. there's a lot more um reaching out to each other because we we miss we each other we, miss each other. <laughs> we, miss we don't each other. get to see because for a lot of the since we are so involved with your concerts for example we would always see friends every month uh, that you would perform and it was sort of like we allowed that to be the mainstay uh, except with certain friends I mean we we'd go out and see Kat and John quite frequently on Vashon and Kelly and Mary and, and, Kelly and, Mary, and yeah. you know we would get together with certain friends but but I feel like I've really come to know a lot of people a lot better through this yeah. period of time because um, I also have, uh, you've got some Zoom things. I'm do also doing this Zoom uh, tarot workshop. I've, mm -hmm. I've really, I'm really into the images of the tarot. And, um, and they're classic illustrations. You know? They are amazing illustrations. And, um, and I love to learn more about the, the archetype of the cards. And this woman that I know who is quite quite adept at uh, these workshops. I've already encountered one workshop and now it's going to have another more in-depth one. And we write and uh, do sort of uh, think about these, these images. And that's going to start tomorrow, actually. My other big thing this oh, week, yeah. I mean, well, uh, I'm, I'm almost through my horribly frenetic, busy time. Uh, it's going to be done as of Monday of this week. And, uh, and because of the, uh, the idea that we were going to do this costume thing, 
I'm going to make a mask. I am really excited about it. I'll show everybody on my Facebook page if it comes out okay. If it comes out terribly, I won't. <laughs> and you've been gathering supplies. Yeah. You got yourself a glue gun, which I thought was, that's a bold move, Diane. That's, a, that's a statement of purpose. It is. It says, hey, this is what's going to be happening. So, yeah. Well, it was, it was a pretty cheap little statement yeah, of purpose. But still. Yeah, I just thought, you know, I... I'm making little movies every week. I know. I love your little... The one, the one you're doing t- <laughs> for this next one is one of my favorite little movies. I think you are brilliant at doing uh, little movies. Well, as long as I can think of something to do. You always think of something to do. That's just your creative brain at work. Okay. For today's music. Oh, yeah. uh, It's going to be a little bit of classical music. Yes, modern classical music. Modern classical music. Well, uh, you should... you should talk about the the source material oh, that you were reading right. to me uh, a little bit because well, when I we, thought that was really interesting. Yeah, when we came, uh, how, how did you come? How did you come to this idea for today's music, Diane? Tell everybody. <laughs> tell us. Tell us what it's all about, Alfie. Well, the reason I thought about this is uh, because. Uh, with all of the craziness <coughs> yeah. of this period of history, I was thinking about basically the idea that being having a simple life is actually the, the greatest blessing rather than um, <coughs> being rich and powerful or what yeah. and uh, and whenever I think about that kind of idea, um, I always think about simple gifts. Simple gifts. Yeah. Um, be, I'm I'm just actually looking up because uh, I don't know the words entirely, but um, it's the gift to tis the gift to be simple, tis the gift to be free. I I that's the part I know. Tis a gift to be simple, tis a gift to be free. Tis a gift to come down where I ought to be. And when I am in the place just right, I will be in a valley of love and delight. When true simplicity is gained, to bow and to bend, I will not be ashamed. To turn, to turn will be my delight. Till by turning, turning, I come round right. Yeah. Okay, so, fine. You've destroyed us. <laughs> you turned us into, you know, slobbering, frothy mo- mo- <laughs> <laughs> masses. Well, so I was thinking about that, and yeah. whenever I think about that, I think of this music by Aaron Copeland, which is one of my favorite pieces in my lifetime. Yeah. Um, and it actually was played at our wedding as the... Uh, the wedding march. Wedding march, or whatever you want to call that. Uh, when we came down the stairs? Yeah, when yeah. we came down the, when I came down the stairs to meet you on the stage. Oh, yes. 
And so it's got great meaning for me all my life. But, um, and I was also thinking about Fanfare for the Common Man, which is sort of the other Copeland piece that, there are so many Copeland pieces I really love. I love the, the music from, um, I can't even remember the, the one that's, that <laughs> Emerson Lake and Palmer did as Hoedown. I don't oh. know what the actual, maybe it is Hoedown. Is that from the Billy the Kid? I don't know, but yeah. he's written a lot of amazing pieces. True. But after I was thinking about it, I I thought, I wonder why Aaron Copeland had uh, chosen, that, chosen theme. that theme. I mean, what, what, what was, why did that title come into being? And because you can look things up on the internet. Really? Um, I just looked up Fanfare for the Common Man Wiki because I thought maybe I'd learn something. And I did indeed. Did you? Fanfare for the Common Man is a musical work by the American composer Aaron Copland. It was written in 1942 for the Cincinnati Symphony Orchestra under conductor Eugene Goosens and was inspired in part by a speech made earlier that year by then-American Vice President Henry A. Wallace, in which Wallace proclaimed the dawning of the century of the common man. So, interestingly, also the ability to look things up on the Internet, I was able to find the, uh, the text of the speech under AmericanRhetoric.com. Wow. It actually has wow. uh, has the speech, the the audio from the speech. You can listen to him actually give it. Wow. I did didn't have the the time because you were going to be coming down the stairs very American shortly. com. Yeah, I'll I'll post it in the comments so that people can look up the speech. But the amazing thing is that it was written when. Um, Hitler was doing his dirty work in the world. And a lot of the speech had to do with, uh, in fact, I'll just read the, the part of it that it says that. I want to say all, all who in a formal or informal way represent most, if not all, of the free people, free peoples of the world who are met here tonight, that we're meeting in the interest of the millions of all the nations who have freedom in our, their souls. To my mind, this meeting has just one purpose, to let those millions in the other countries know that here in the United States are 130 million men, women, and children who are in this war to the finish. So it was, you know, we were not 19, going to... 1942. 1942, right. Our American people are utterly resolved to go on until they can strike the relentless blows that will assure a complete victory, and with it, a new day for the lovers of freedom everywhere on this earth. This is a fight between a slave world and a free world. Just as in the United States in 1862, we could not remain half slave and half free, so in 1942, the world may, must make its decision for a complete victory, one way or the other. And he talks a lot about how it's really important 
to be educated. That was a really big part of what he was uh, talking about, about allowing people to read and write because through education, you could recognize that you were being oppressed much easier. Um, so then uh, this was the part I was reading you this morning. But in countries where the ability to read and write has been recently acquired, mind you, 62% of the world today do not yet know how to read and write. But in those countries where the ability has been recently acquired or where people have had no long experience in governing themselves on the basis of their own thinking, it is easy for demagogues to arise and prostitute the mind of the common man to their own base ends. Such a demagogue may get financial help from some person of wealth who is unaware of what the end results will be. With this backing, the demagogue may dominate the minds of the people, and from whatever degree of freedom they have, lead them back into a most degraded slavery. Herr Thyssen, though wealthy German steel man, little realized what he was doing when he gave Hitler enough money to enable him to play on the minds of the German people. The demagogue is the curse of the modern world, and of all demagogues, the worst are those financed by well-meaning wealthy men who sincerely believe that their wealth is likely to be safer if they hire men with political it to change the signposts and lure the people back into slavery. Unfortunately, for the wealthy men, men who finance movements of this sort, as well as for the people themselves, the successful demagogue is a powerful genie when once let out of his bottle, refuses to obey anyone's command. As long as his spell holds, he defies God himself, and Satan is turned loose on the world. Through the leaders of the Nazi revolution, Satan is now trying to break the common man of the whole world back into slavery and darkness. For the stark truth is that the violence preached by the Nazis is the devil's own religion of darkness. So also is the doctrine that one race or one class is by heredity superior and that all other races or classes are supposed to be slaves. Anyway, yeah. Yeah, if you would you... like to read the rest of the, read or listen to, I will put in the comments. But the thing that was so amazing for me was to read that and think about how this has always been our situation right. that we are always having to be on guard of demagogues who would seek to use us for uh for their own ends and and also it, it says the people's revolution aims at peace and not violence but if the rights of the common man are attacked and unleashes the ferocity of a she-bear who has lost a cub and i i just feel like having realized that that was the impetus for this piece of music really makes it even more powerful right. to me. Yeah. Copeland, in his autobiography, wrote of the request, Eugene Goossens, conductor of the Cincinnati Symphony Orchestra, had written to me at the end of August about an idea he wanted to put in action 
for the 1942-43 concert season. During World War I, he had asked British composers for a fanfare to begin each orchestral concert. It had been so successful that he thought to repeat the procedure in World War II with American composers. A total of 18 fanfares were written at Goosen's behest, but Copland is the only one which remains in the standard repertoire. It was written in response to the U.S. entry into World War II and was inspired by the, the famous speech, 1942 speech. Goosen's had suggested titles such as fanfare for soldiers or sailors or airmen, and he wrote that it is my idea to make these fanfares stirring and significant contributions to the war effort. Copeland considered several titles, including fanfare for a solemn ceremony and fanfare for four freedoms. To Goosen's surprise, however, Copeland titled the piece Fanfare for the Common Man. Goosen's wrote, the title is as original as its music, and I think it is so telling that it deserves a special occasion for its performance. So, I yeah. just thought I thought that was amazing. I just think that um, Copeland was brilliant to well, say that, rather than make it a military. Yeah. To say this is a common man's purpose. So So I'm very happy that I had that question this morning. Yes. You see how her mind works? She <laughs> just goes and gets all this other stuff and you know you know, how can one help but be in, not be enriched by uh, such a an arrangement? I get to come downstairs and just get, you know, all this. <laughs> All I got to do is, you know, get up in the morning, <laughs> ambulate uh, into the right position. And then, <laughs> you know, suddenly it's uh, time for a nourishing meal. Anyway, Aaron Copeland? Aaron Copeland.